So that was a fun conversation with Tim Daspar, the founder and CEO of Daspar Insurance Services. Tim got his life and health license at age 18 and his PNC license at age 20. Started his own agency not much longer after that and has turned it into one of the fastest growing companies in America. So fun conversation with Tim. He had some interesting things to say about the importance of data and running an organization and making decisions and also how about how you have to obsess over the customer experience, which I couldn't agree with more. So if you're interested in those things, hang around and listen to the show. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Enlightened Agent, the podcast that brings you conversations with top insurance professionals and industry leaders. My name is Jason Keck, and I'm joined today by Tim Gaspar, founder and CEO of Gaspar Insurance Services. Tim, welcome to The Enlightened Agent. Awesome. Super stoked to be here. Happy to be here, Jason. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you as well. Tim, look, I know you've been crushing it with the agency, you know, getting ranked as one of the fastest growing companies in America. That's amazing. Congrats for that. You know, I, I'd love it if you could share a bit of your background with our listeners and maybe a little bit about how, how you came to be where you are today. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So, you know, like, like most insurance folks, you know, as a little kid, I, I took a look at this incredibly sexy and glittery business that we call insurance. And uh, <laughs> I said, I want to do that. <laughs> I want to do that. Uh, no, you know, as, as is typically the case, you know, I got into the insurance business uh, through family. I was fortunate enough to be raised essentially by, by two dads and my stepdad, who's been involved in my entire life as a, a life and health agent who still practices. And when I was growing up, I could see that uh, he made a really good living and seemed to have a lot of free time on his hands. <laughs> and I remember thinking while I was growing up, like, man, like, what does he do? Because it, it, it must be pretty good. And then as I got older, you know, once I was like uh, 12, 13 years old, I, I wanted to find out more about the business. And um, that planted a seed was really important. And that seed was just really the, the, the opinion that the insurance business is a great business and a great opportunity which as you know, Jason, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners know, is not a typical thing. It's typically out of sight, out of mind. And that's the best case. Uh, yep. So I, I lucked out having him as a as sort of a mentor nice. to be aware of the business. That's great. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it, yeah, insurance is something you're, you're glad you have it when you need it, but for the most part, you, 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 know, you hope you don't need it, right? It's one of those things, so. Great. Where did you get your start in the industry? Did you, was it a family business that you joined? Did, how did you get in and how did you end up deciding to start, start your own agency? Sure. So yeah, a few different things sort of getting started. So, you know, in, uh, in high school, I was uh, an entrepreneur. So I had different businesses uh, that were not insurance related, that some worked out okay. And some just really kicked my butt and taught me some really uh, valuable, but hard lessons. Um, but uh, when I was 18, getting out of high school, I got my life and health license and, you know, wanted to start making some money uh, as an insurance agent. And it turns out, you know, for me at least, uh, selling life insurance as an 18-year-old uh, <laughs> that had, by the way, uh, blonde tips in my right. hair, like because it was like during the boy band era, and nobody sure. wanted to buy life insurance from me. It was super shocking. So that, <laughs> that's amazing. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine, you know, having a conversation with a you know 45-year-old guy trying to explain to him how, how much you understand how important life insurance is for them, right? Yeah, and they're, yeah they're just, it didn't totally it, take it seriously. It, it didn't connect, right? <laughs> it didn't connect. But honestly, what it really was, all kidding aside, was I, I didn't yet really have a passion uh, for the business and, and for what I was doing. I was, still, I was still learning. So 
you know, I did that for maybe six months or a year and my heart wasn't totally into it. And uh, immediately sort of after that experience, went to work uh, for Marsh, you know, obviously one of the largest agencies in the world on the life and health side as an enroller. So an enroller is somebody they send to big companies to set folks up with their core benefits um, and volunteer benefits. And I loved it. I loved it because uh, they would put me in a room to talk to people and it wasn't, you know, it was selling, but it wasn't because it wasn't commission-based. Right. It was, uh, you know, just helping people with their problems and answering questions. And they had really good training and I really enjoyed it. That was in downtown Los Angeles, which is quite a commute uh, from where I live. Uh, right. And I was going to, to, to college at night at the time. And so just from a time standpoint, needed something that was just more feasible. So I got my property and casualty license when I was uh, 20 and went to work for a small agency in the San Fernando Valley, where I am now, and started selling um, primarily personal lines okay. uh, and loved it. You know, as a, as a 20 year old, people will talk to you about auto and home insurance. Uh, okay. And I'm not saying that it's like, you know, super simple all the time. But you know, I had more confidence at that point, and, and I really understood it because I was a I was a consumer at least for auto insurance. Yep. Uh, built my book for four years, had a contract that allowed me to buy my book. I was still an entrepreneur in my heart, so I started my own agency uh, when I was uh, 25. Okay. And just uh, one foot in front of the other. I've tried to grow. You know, the goal's always been 15% growth every year. Okay. That's been the goal. And some years it was right at that. Some years it was a little better. Yeah, thankfully two steps forward and one step back. And, and here we are today. Awesome. Awesome. Were there any significant events that sort of changed your career or, you know, rocketed in a particular direction? You know, when you think back on from selling your first policy and as a 20 year old to where you are now, what were some of the big, big things that happened in between? Sure. You know, it, uh, I think it was really a lot of, a lot of small events, you know, that the, the okay. event would be just going out on my own, going out on my own was one that, uh, it's just a matter of making that jump because I met a lot of producers over the years that wanted to do something like that and maybe did the planning, but didn't actually take the leap. So yep. just taking the leap was like the big thing that obviously, uh, you know, changed the trajectory of my career. Uh, but a lot of courage. Uh, a lot of courage uh, yeah, to do that, just, right? You know, or, uh, <laughs> courage or, you know, being naive or, or whatever it is, but I'm glad I did it, uh, whatever the case. But I think, you know, from a learning standpoint, I've never really had the attitude of waiting for big events to change my behavior. Cause I think every opportunity that you have, whether it's a, an interaction with somebody that goes well or not as well, or in our industry, a claim that maybe doesn't go well, right. Or an experience that uh, keeps you up at night. Those are all opportunities to learn from. And I think having a learning mindset where, you know, when those things happen, uh, you just make sure that you grow as a person and as a professional are, you know, those, those sort of added up in the aggregate. I feel like learning is, is what makes what we do fun, right? I mean, the you know, discovering new things, new opportunities, pursuing them, maybe they work, maybe they don't, but like, if you're doing the same thing over and over every day, eh, I don't know, not, it doesn't get me out of bed in the morning. Right. So I think it's boring. That's, yeah. you know, who wants to do, you know, it's the, it's like working on a assembly line at a factory or something. You know, it's, it's some days. Yeah. I just want to get up and, and just, you know, some days, but most days I'm trying to push forward and it sounds like you did, you did a lot of that. So, and have been successful as a result of it. So good for you. Oh, thank you. C curious. Um, one of our, one of my favorite topics in general uh, for the show is change. And I'm, I'm curious what you've seen change over the years and, and what else you think needs to change? Sure. Oh man. Well, you know, <laughs> just since I've been in the business for 20 years, you know, there's sort of the, uh, the obvious uh, things that have changed. And so, 
the sort of some of the easiest examples being the move from, you know, paper applications to everything being, uh, uh, being online yep. and being digital is certainly something that's a big change. The consumer experience in regards to how consumers are able to, you know, get pricing immediately in regards to most types of insurance yeah. um, and how consumers buy has obviously changed yeah. a lot over the years. And, uh, you know, so many new um, sort of ways of buying that do not involve the independent agent, which, right. you know, it, uh, <laughs> and some of those uh, have been technologies that we've ultimately benefited from. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely changed uh, the dynamic quite a bit. Yeah. The hot topic at a lot of the conferences I've been going to is uh, is embedded insurance, right? And I think what's interesting about that is is that it really what it's doing is expanding the the market, right? It's not, I mean, in the world of like, is this replacing agents? No, it's not replacing agents. They're just finding new products to sell at point of sale or at you know point of of risk, if you will, that are actually increasing the size of the insurance market and creating a market that maybe never existed before. So I think those things are, I think it, it's early days with that, but you know, just the, the ability to buy travel insurance when you're checking out for your flight, you know, that was kind of the first obvious thing, but there's so many, if, if, you, if you go to the conferences now, there's, can't tell you how many embedded insurance ideas there are out there. I think it's going to be exciting for the industry, but I also think the traditional stuff, the things you guys are doing now, or you have been doing for the last 20 years, you know, they're not going away. People still need insurance for their, their home, their car, their business. And it sounds like you guys are thinking about how to make that experience better for them. Any, any stories you can share, you know, uh, f- full transparency, Tim and company are clients of ours, but any stories you could share about, you know, how you guys are using your technology with your clients today, using our technology with the clients? Sure, sure. So, you know, I think just a, a few notes, you know, on the Im- embedded insurance piece, I think you're absolutely right. That's a huge opportunity. I wouldn't see that as a threat at all to independent agents because what independent agent is there that's really, you know, waking up in the morning and hoping to sell a bunch of travel insurance policies? Uh, Probably not too many. Completely (laughs) agree. Yeah. No, I think that's just expanding the market, not competing. So I agree with you there. And we do that too. If somebody calls our office for pet insurance or travel insurance or individual dental or something, you know, we want to give that person, uh, give that person the resources to be able to get the protection but it also has to make sense for us from a business standpoint. So we use digital options for that. So on the technology piece, I think that the big opportunity for technology and the reason you know, for agents to embrace it, I think there's really uh, two reasons. One is, is data. You have to have data to be able to run any organization, or even if you're just a producer, you have to have data about your book to be able to make decisions about where to spend your time and what type of business to go after and really understand what your book looks like. And then the second thing is uh, you really, you have to obsess over making it easy for your customers to do business with you. And that's a lot of times where the insurance business falls short. So a good example, you know, as it relates to, to Broker Buddha, for example. So like, you know, a professional liability application for an attorney, we used to send somebody a blank application with a copy of their old application, just to like remind them what they filled out. And the instructions were, you know, hey, print these both, uh, fill out the new one and send it back to us. Like, um, you know, uh, it was like given like, it was like giving a six-year-old homework, like, you know, email. If you could get a blank stare via email, that's exactly what you would get. What a terrible consumer experience. That's just such a, a pain in the butt. And you wonder why they wouldn't come back quickly, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. 
So we have to make it easier, you know, and there's, and there's a lot of examples with that and within our industry. So the, the claims, which thankfully there's a lot of technology coming into claims now, that's an opportunity where, you know, if you have damage at your house, why should you have to wait a day or two or longer if it's, you know, a large event like a hurricane for a claim adjuster to come out so he, can, he or she can get eyeballs on the damage? You know, now you can take a picture up with your phone and the claims adjuster can, can actually make measurements and create an estimate yeah. a lot of the times with your phone. That's fantastic. That's wonderful for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why force somebody to, to drive out when you've got FaceTime and video calling and videos? I mean, it's it makes zero sense, right? The need for somebody to roll out. I mean, if, if maybe if things are particularly squirrely in the situation, but I mean, it's got to be so many, so many truck rolls that can be removed by just basic things like video calling. So good. Well, look, I'm, I'm sounds like you guys are doing some of the obvious stuff. The, the piece about data is you know, one of the exact reasons and benefits of our platform. It's like, you can't do anything with data if it's stuck on a PDF, right? Like right. there's no way to extract that, mine it, analyze it. It's just, it's basically a digital piece of paper and, and makes it really challenging to do anything analytical with it. So, you know, for I would, us, uh, you know, I would mention on the, on the data, you know, analyzing data, I think some people hear that and they think like, uh, if it's not somebody who's a data person, they're thinking like, I wouldn't even know what to do with that. You know, I didn't go to MIT. Like, you know, it's a, so look, I'm not, you know, it's not, I did not, you know, uh, excel <laughs> in statistics or certain math classes. I'll tell you something like really easy though. If you take a look at your accounts that you have as an insurance agency or as a producer, and you just take a look at where does the revenue come from? Who's listening to this podcast or who you are? 20% of your revenue comes from 80% of your clients, which means 80% of your revenue comes from 20% of your clients. Pay attention. You got you to give everybody good service, but you've got to prioritize the top 20% of your clients. That's where all your revenue is. Don't get stuck on the phone with somebody who's one of your bottom half of your customers on a two-hour phone call because it's coming at the expense of doing good service for your good clients. And that's yeah. probably the biggest thing to take a look at with the data. Yeah. And look, if you don't have the data in a structured format, it's hard to do the analysis. It's hard to get the data. It's hard to run the reports. Absolutely. So good data can drive really good decision-making. So hundred percent agree with that. You mentioned something about claims were relatively protected here in New York from the wildfires that you guys have out in California. One of the things that I was thinking about coming into the call actually was what that environment must be like. I think with everything happening there, you know, what's it like selling homeowners these days in California? Oh man, <laughs> it's tough. You know, I've never seen anything like it. So I've been writing homeowners insurance in California for you know close to 20 years. And there's a lot of folks that um, we've had renewals go up. I'm not exaggerating, uh, seven, eight, nine times. You know, as I'm talking about, you know, uh, as a, like, as a multiple of what their premium was. Are you serious? Oh yeah, crazy, a crazy. Whoa. Or some folks that just can't get insurance for any price. Uh, the only option would be uh, there's a, a state program here in California called the Fair Plan, and for a lot of folks, that's it. Lloyd's won't do it. You know, the other non-admitted markets won't do it. They just don't want the risk. So it's very challenging. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a difficult uh, situation and what so I'm you can, seeing, you can buy a home and not be able to get insurance for it. Is that absolutely. Yeah. We've Is had, it? um, some uh, houses actually fall out of escrow as a result because they couldn't get the insurance. That's crazy. That's, that's hard to imagine. And seven, you know, going up seven times is also hard to imagine. That's crazy. So how do you guys, how do you handle that? Like what's your, what do you say to your clients when they're dealing with that? We, we just try to explain the situation best yeah. we can. And, and it's really just about 
you know, and this is the, the key, I think, to a lot of hard conversations. It's, it's really just a, a matter of being really empathetic to the situation that these folks are in. So yep. we tell them sort of what the big picture is. They're typically still pretty upset. And then, of course, now I do the same thing. You know, they call around to see if right. you know, maybe <laughs> what we're telling them, because what we're telling them is sounds so ridiculous. How could they not call around? And then they end up calling us back, you know, after a few days and um, being resigned to this reality uh, that they're in. Right. And for some folks, we've seen folks that just throw up their hands and say, I'm just not going to do it. And at some point, obviously, the mortgage company is going to force place coverage. But I get it. Uh, we have folks that uh, even for people that do really well, that have big houses that the premiums have turned into significant six figure numbers for people that used to spend eight or nine thousand. I mean, so those are ones that the multiples even higher. But uh, the one thing that I would mention as regards to this whole picture is all these things have a tendency to go in cycles. Okay. And I meet a lot of home, I, I meet a lot of insurance agents that say, you know, I'm not going to do, you know, purse lines anymore. I'm not going to go after, you know, the high net worth stuff anymore. Cause a lot of the homes that are in difficult areas do have a tendency to be larger. And I always say, you know, lean into it. Don't step backwards, lean into it. Because when the market comes back, you'll be one of the last folks uh, standing. I sort of would um, make the analogy. I have a good buddy that's a mortgage broker. He's been a mortgage broker for 20 years and he had to get through 2008 up until right. you know 2014, right. uh, pretty lean, you know, taking the deals that he could, but he stayed in it and he yeah. continued to build his credibility. Now he's in an awfully good place. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hot, hot real estate market right now. Yeah. yeah That's amazing. Exactly. So stay in it, uh, stay, you know, stick to it, get better at what you're doing. Eventually the marketplace will come back to you. Got it. We were talking earlier about, about agency networks and other kind of professional connections. Do you lean on other companies in your space, other, other companies in your network? What networks are you involved in? What groups are you involved in? How do you get sort of kind of professional development around that, a professional collaboration? Yeah, well, there's, there's a lot of different options that exist, both within the insurance business and even outside of it. So we're in a group that uh, Marsh Berry uh, puts together. Yeah. Uh, that's what they call their SIGs, which is a group of like, you know, eight to 10 other agency owners from all over the country that share ideas and problems and best practices. So that's been something really beneficial. So that, that's really structured where Marsh Berry, you know, as an organization runs it. Uh, but we also have group, you know, here in Southern California, we have something we call the elite group, which has actually several chapters. And the elite group is a group, it's an informal group, uh, 10 to 12 agency owners that are local that get together for one <laughs> a month for lunch okay. and share ideas and challenges. And I think sometimes when people first come in the group, they're apprehensive. They're like, I don't want to share right. you know, my trade secrets uh, with you guys. You're my competitors. But the reality is you get all, the more you give to it, the more transparent you are, the more you'll get back. Yeah. And uh, when you lose business, uh, and there's some exceptions to this, but when you lose business, it's not typically going to be to the insurance, you know, the independent agent down the street, you're right. going to lose it to one of these um, large aggregators, or you're going to lose it to lemonade. You're going to lose it, you know, to um, another, maybe insure tech or, or Geico. Right. Those are the threats if you're an independent agent. Us independent agents, we, we got to stick together. <laughs> yep. Yep. More, more powerful numbers. Yeah, we've, we've had a lot of really good times at conferences connecting you know, in person with a lot of the agencies, whether it's the, you know, the large national conferences, or the agency management system, user events. Those have been really productive for us. And you know, we've gotten to know some really quality people and discovered some amazing things that they do. And that's 
candidly, you know, the inspiration behind this podcast, right? The, you know, I came into the industry knowing very little, frankly, about insurance or insurance agents. I knew a lot about technology and building products, but I, I've heard some great stories about agents and, and the amazing things they've done. So one of the things I like to ask all of our guests on the show is about those agents and, and the ones that they've seen or been or experienced being amazing, right? So the show is called The Enlightened Agent. Enlightenment is defined as the state of having knowledge or understanding. So curious if you've come across any of those people in your life and if any of the, uh, in your career and your experience here, and if you have, you know, if you could share one of those stories with us on the show. Sure. So, you know, there's, there's so many different examples that come to mind in regards to um, policies that, that protected somebody when it mattered most, which of course is, is the core to what we do. And there's so many of them that I'm not sure if those would be necessarily any different than a lot of the stories that, that our listeners know because we get to live those stories. And that's the great thing about what we do. Probably what I would mention is we're in such a wonderful business that, uh, you know, I, I, I want to give you a, a story real quickly. We brought on an agent last year, wonderful guy, came over with a book of business that he had built over the course of his career, about 40 years, came on board with us. And, um, you know, I hate to say it, the ink wasn't even dry on the contracting paperwork. And he uh, passed away. I uh, got a sudden illness and passed away really quickly. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot in place in regards to life insurance. I think, you know, maybe due to health reasons or something along those lines. But, you know, for whatever reason, there wasn't. There was a little bit through our, our own uh, benefits uh, that we have set up here as the agency. But he had an only, only child, a son that's about to go to college. And thankfully, in this case, this producer had a book of business that had a value to it that allowed us to be able to cut a check to the son that was very meaningful. And I know, I don't think that this producer, you know, it, I don't know if it ever crossed his mind that this situation would ever occur, but it, right. it put him in a situation, you know, on the other side to be able to help his family immensely. And this is one of the few occupations that when you build a career with it, at the end of the day, you've got mm -hmm. something that really has a lot of value to it instead of being an attorney or, or a mortgage broker or a realtor where you're just selling your time and that's it. And so, you know, it was, it was meaningful and it was definitely made me think about making sure that uh, other agents see how valuable uh, that is. Almost every agent I, I speak with, you know, you hear about the early days of building their book, right? And it's, it's a slog, right? You're knocking on doors and, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat to get these deals done. And, you know, you're scratching and clawing to survive in the early years and it's hard, but, you know, as you build your book, right, it's a, it's a real asset, right? Those, those clients stick around the personal relationships you have, it's, you've helped them uh, protect their, their assets and their lives. And as a result, you build your own asset that has value to it. So I would say, you know, that guy sounds like whether he knew it or not, he was enlightened enough to, to build that asset and, you know, thankfully his, his son was rewarded for it. And it sounds like you guys helped out as well. So, so kudos to you for being good citizens and, and, and good employers there. I'm sure, I'm sure he's looking down on you guys and saying, thanks for helping out. So, okay. um, so good for you. Yeah. Look, Tim, this has been an awesome conversation. I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, try to do these shows, you know, every week or so with other people in the space. So, you know, love having you as a client, love having you as, you know, an industry leader who I can, I can hop on the line and chat with about what's happening in the space. 
maybe would love to have you on the show again sometime in the future as, as things evolve, as we know the, the, the industry is changing a lot right now. And so be curious to have another conversation maybe in a year and see what, see what shakes out. But, um, you know, mainly just want to say thanks for coming on the show and, you know, give you a chance to say anything you'd like to the audience before we wrap up. Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Jason. Uh, thank you for having me. And I'd, I'd love to be back on. And, uh, you know, I, I think the one thing uh, that I'll, I'll sort of uh, wrap this up with is just uh, I want to encourage everybody in our space, whether on your side, Jason, on my side, and other folks, to be really vocal about how great this industry is because we need more young people and we don't want this industry to die. <laughs> so we need to, to make sure that we're passing along this opportunity uh, to not only young people, but people that are not um, uh, white males. Uh, more, we need more diversity, uh, need more females. I think that would help us immensely as an industry and um, is the right thing to do as well. Agree, agree 100%. I'm glad you called that out. I was at the, uh, you know, these conferences you go to, that kind of thing is becomes very obvious, right? When you're, when you're in these crowds and it's getting better and there's more attention on it, but I, I, you know, it's got a long way to go. So, and the one thing I can say also is that I think the injection of insurance technology, which has really, you know, skyrocketed, I think in the last couple of years is starting to attract younger talent into the space. And I think that's probably one of the best things that could happen to the industry right now is, is bringing in people who otherwise maybe wouldn't have thought about being in the industry. But when you merge, you know, a really interesting business like insurance in general with new and innovative technologies, you start to attract some, some interesting people, some young talent, and, you know, as in our case, start to create really fantastic businesses. So, so Tim, thanks again for coming on the show. Look forward to working with you and seeing you around, uh, maybe in person one of these days. Awesome. And, um, you know, best of luck with the business. All right. Thank you, Jason. You as well, buddy.